Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So we're going to continue along this week the Eightfold Path. So those of you who have been coming uh, to the series where we started out with uh, talking about uh, wise view, right view. We talked about karma and cause and effect. And then we talked about the Four Noble Truths, which are big parts of uh, right view. And then we also talked about uh, wise action and wise speech. Uh, and did some practices around that. Uh, and then this last week we talked about wise intention, so cultivating intentions that are um, wholesome, particularly around generosity, renunciation, uh, around compassion, and also around kindness. So this week we're going to continue along that vein with the uh, link on the path that is called wise effort, or right effort, or skillful effort. Uh, but since I did ask people to pay attention to their intentions during the week, I'll see if anyone has anything that they want to share or ask that they noticed while they were trying to pay attention to intention during the week. <coughs> if you did that. Yeah. So, I, I had a really hard time <laughs> this one. Um, either, I felt like either I was missing it or that I was overthinking it because I was trying to follow, I would ask myself, we get into thinking, well, why am I thinking this? Why am I thinking this now? And I wasn't sure whether my answers were actually an intention. I got a little bit, a little bit stuck on that, and as opposed to what I would normally think of as a reason. Uh, and so that was a little bit complicated for me. I, I, I was either confused. Then I thought, oh, I'm overthinking this. I should look at, you know, what's my gut? reaction to whatever I'm doing, am I tense or hesitant or, or enthusiastic, but I wasn't sure if that was going to Yeah, yeah, thank you. So it's like, well, what is intention? Like, how do you know what your intention is? And that's it. Sometimes it does bubble up to the level of thought, and sometimes you can figure it out with thought. But also thought itself can some, sometimes can rationalize things. You know, like, um, sometimes we use thought to make up reasons why we would like to be doing something or... We would like other people to think that we're something, or you know, so on, right? But um, it doesn't necessarily match with what is actually happening. And like I was saying the last time, a lot of this practice is really just being incredibly uh, uh, brutally honest with yourself about what's going on. Right? Um, and with intentions, there are so many that come and go so quickly, so it's actually hard to follow the whole spectrum of them. And given that we're like all a mixed bag, and until fully enlightened, we'll have some arising of green hatred and delusion in our mind stream then it's likely that there's going to be sort of some mixed amount of different types of uh, intentions, even in one actual act, like one act of what seems to be generosity or something like that. So it's not to drive yourself crazy, but kind of like do the best that you can to kind of like grok what seems to be the, the primary intention of that. And then also notice what seems to be the other variants in that too, if you can. Um, but here's where it's good to sort of get the sense in your, um, to, you know, start to read and it's really good to even notice like, oh, I, I don't know, like it might learn the intention or not, but where is it that I can feel that, or how do I know that? So at first I think it's good to look for the like, most obvious ones sometimes. Um, so you could say, like, oh, what are, what are the times when I feel like actually it's so obvious that I'm feeling compassion, or it's so obvious that this action is coming from that. Or conversely, like, oh, it's so obvious that there's, there's a sense of cruelty that's, a, you know, is arising, and I'm, I want to do this thing, but I'm going to hold myself back, or I'm shocked to feel this jealousy, you know, like, to notice, like, oh, there's a sense of hatred. So look for like the kind of glaring ones, <laughs> right? And then, then so it can kind of refine underneath. That would be my advice. Yeah. So some of the things that come up to me a lot are worry and some sort of planning, and those two are kind of related. Mm. And I, I wasn't really sure how to relate to those in terms of intention. They, they almost seem like unintentional. <laughs> You know, what you have to say about worry or, or right, right. Yeah, so worry is like an activity of the mind, right? And and also I should say that you know the activities of body are kind of the most gross and large ones, and then the activities of speech are somewhat more subtle, and then the activities of the mind are like the most subtle. 
Um, so those are the hardest to catch the intention on, I'd say. Although, like, intention that arises, like, can usually be felt in the mind, too. Um, so with something like worry and planning, um, you know, oftentimes fear can be behind that. Um, and that's something you could actually feel in your body, perhaps, or in your mind, you know, some sense of, like, uh, like, or it might be not. So just, you know, that's just a place to look around that. But I'd say also to look for the largest, the largest motions possible, like, and they can start with the easier ones. So, um, for example, I, I just scraped in here at 7 this time um, for the uh, sitting, which is a bit unusual. I usually try and get here early, but I had an um, uh, urban altercation with a guy who was blocking my um, exit from my road with his car, which doesn't happen, sorry. So, uh, and so I tried to, you know, try to leave this guy's, like, parked directly under the no parking sign, <laughs> blocking the uh, exit to the a small alley and uh, tried to get him to move and he wasn't happy because then he slightly moved over a bit and <clears throat> he didn't want to pull sort of all the way back up so that I could actually leave. So he told me to move forward and I moved forward and he was like, keep going. And I was like, I think our mirrors are going to hit. He was like, no, keep going. So I moved forward and I mirrors did hit. He had a very nice Mercedes Benz convertible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was very actually good. It was some spring thing, so it seemed fine when he said it didn't turn back. And I have a less nice car. <laughs> 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 I have a, a 1994 Toyota Corolla that's been cleaned up a lot, so I was like, alright, it's fine. But so this guy, so he got out of his car and started yelling at me and kicking in the car, kicking my car. <laughs> so, uh, so there's a gross action of, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, in case I didn't detect the anger, he was like yelling at me and kicking the car. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, so at that level, it's like, oh, what is the intention, you know, in the mind? So hopefully you don't find yourself that often doing that, but, you know, on that level of like bodily action, speech, it's like, oh, discern, you know, like what's going on, like what's driving this here. Um, and uh, so, so, you know, I was like, alright, so I'm getting with this guy or not, but um, it was interesting, but my first thought was like, wow, it's like a very expensive first class car, but it's too bad it's not a first class mind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Reactivity does not match the value of the car. So, um, because sometimes I feel like it's good to, to call people on this behavior, too, right? And um, particularly, I feel like sometimes there's some, you know, the city is complicated, and, uh, you know, he saw who I was. So, you know, Asian woman, et cetera, you know, so I'm not the most intimidating-looking person to, you know, like, it seems like you could get away with kicking my car and, like, making a fuss. So I was like, no, it's not cool. So, anyway, so I got up and we had a little conversation, and, he, he, he continued to be angry, but then someone else came out from the restaurant who was actually much more calm. And um, then he, he actually addressed in a very different way the situation, which was, uh, was very helpful. So this guy came out with a very different intention. So I said, I was actually very pretty equanimous about it, and I was like, you know, we, I live in this alley, and we're neighbors, and we should get along, but I'm trying to leave here, and like, he kind of blocked the uh, driveway in. You know, so they got still like, you know, going crazy, and so this guy was like, we had an emergency, and so, anyway. so he just was addressing it from a very different intention, which allowed us to have, like, a really different conversation. Um, so this is the most gross, like, obvious, uh, <laughs> you know, example of it. Like, this one guy is, like, actually beating on things, and, you know, yelling and stuff, and, you know, this other guy coming with a very different intention. But that was a very different effect, right? So I didn't play the call away out because I wanted to come here on time, so, you know. <laughs> Shortened our, uh, our uh, interchange about this, but anyway, as I was coming, I was like, oh, this is a very good example, too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so here actually is the, the, the um, piece of this link about wise effort. So, like, what is wise effort in this whole path? So you come here, and you sit, and you try to meditate, and um, the beginning class, by the way, is a very good uh, thing to do, particularly if you've been coming here, even for a long time, but you wonder, like, what are people doing during this first 45 minutes of the time? Because <laughs> like, you don't actually know, like, what, um, it's good to go to that class when you get to the step-by-step uh, in what you could be doing. Um, so but what is the effort on the path? And one part of it is about meditation, but, you know, it's fine, it's about, like, understanding your mind, understanding the path of what leads to happiness and what leads away from happiness. Uh, and then where should the effort be put right, along this path? So uh, the Buddha, as always, um, breaks it out down for us in a very specific way, and he gives us four, a fourfold breakdown of what is wise effort. And it's basically around what we've been talking about for um, a while now, about uh, 
uh, related to karma and also related to intention, which is understanding what, are, what states of mind and heart that arise are wise, skillful, and what states of mind and heart that arise are unskillful. So basically, which ones are ones that I would like to cultivate in my heart and mind, and which ones are ones that I would like to have less of, abandon? So the instructions on the wise effort basically is around understanding it. So knowing when there is something that's unskillful that's written, say, uh, rage or jealousy or hatred, uh, to try to let go of that, so to try to abandon that, if you will. So of course, in order to do that, the first thing is you have to know that it's arisen. So whatever state it is that you know that it's arisen, to try to let go of that. And we'll talk more about how actually you could do that. Because that sounds good, but maybe it's hard to do. The second one is actually to um, try to, to uh, avoid the arising of unarisen unwelcome states. So what is that about? So that is actually trying to understand, well, what are the conditions for the arising of these unwholesome states? Like, what are the conditions for the arising of, like, a rage that makes me, like, take other people's cars, or <laughs> jealousy, or, you know, uh, intense, uh, you know, all these things. Like, what is it that, that causes that to happen for me? Right? And how can I, uh, how can I, uh, understand those conditions and then try to have less of them in my life, basically. Right. And then the other side is like, how can I understand when something has arisen that is actually wholesome? Right. And if something has arisen like that, then how can I uh, maintain that? Like that's actually what I would like to have more of, of compassion, of kindness, of generosity, uh, wisdom, like all these positive things. And then, of course, how can I actually create the conditions such that those arise more and more? So how can I actually cultivate those? So in the sort of garden of my mind, so to speak, you know, what is it that will create the conditions for those, those seeds to be there, for them to grow, for them to flower? Like, how can I actually make those happen? So on one level, the two of them are in the moment, of just knowing, like, okay, well, what's happening in the moment? Is it skillful? Is it unskillful? Uh, if it's skillful, then great, continue along with it. If it's unskillful, then try to let go of it. And the other one is like trying to understand, and this also happens in the moment, of course, um, well, what will, will cultivate the conditions for the arising of skillful wholesome, and what will allow for the uh, non-arising of the unskillful and wholesome. So if that all seems kind of confusing and non-winded for you, um, but I have a background in consulting work in which we like to make little matrix, matrixes, <laughs> you know, like little squares for things. Um, so if you can imagine it's like a square like this, you know, you could have like uh, skillful states, unskillful states. So skillful and wholesome are the same, and unskillful and wholesome are the same. And then you have arisen versus unarisen. So then you kind of get four quadrants, like the way um, skillful states that have arisen, Unskillful states that have arisen, unskillful states that have arisen, unskillful states that have arisen. And so then, uh, you know, there's a little recommendation for you for each little um, square of that. Right? So if it's uh, unskillful and it's arisen, risen, then you want to let go of that. Right? If it's skillful and it's arisen, then you want to maintain that, right? Continue it. If it's unskillful and it's unarisen, then you want to uh, guard against that or to try to understand the conditions and uh, not have those in your life. And if it's skillful and it's unarisen, then you want to actually cultivate that. So you want to arouse that, if you will, like bring it forth. So a simple way of, of arousing the skillful states are like when we did the meta practice at the end of the sitting, right? So we did like five minutes of connecting with our own intention of well-wishing for ourselves, for others, um, broadly speaking, in the world. And sometimes people do that practice, or you know, maybe you haven't just heard this for the first time in here, and they're like, oh, wishing well for all beings, what good is that going to do, is that going to help anyone? Right. So the first person that it helps is right here. Right. It's actually a cultivation of your own heart and mind, of connecting with that intention. And it's a very sort of simple, pure, uh, innocent intention, if you will, of just wishing yourself to be happy and wishing others to be happy. And I think the best way to do this, this practice as a, as a method practice is really to allow yourself to drop into that place of just innocence about that, you know? Like not complication, it's just like, oh yeah, I want to be happy and connect with that intention. Like, oh yeah, I, I wish to be, I wish, want to be healthy. I, I like to be safe. And then in the same way to just connect with the fact that like, yeah, that's actually true for everyone. Even the people I don't know, the people I do know, 
people far away, people close by, um, even the animals. Like just with that sense of innocence, you're like, oh, okay, just as I wish to be happy, may you be happy too. May you be safe, may you be healthy. So anytime that you're uh, connecting with that intention, you're actually cultivating the seeds of that. You're cultivating that quality of kindness in your heart. And the more that you do that, the more that actually plants the seeds for the arising of those uh, later on. Yeah. And the, the last time that um, I've been here, I think, with the intention, I also use the metaphor of the, um, the buses, right? Of like reading the signs in the buses that they come by. So being able to tell, like, okay, is this, what, where's this bus going? Is it going to, like, uh, Jealousy Town? Is it going to <laughs> Compassionville? Is it going to, you know, like, what is it that's coming up to? And then, you know, in that way, as we start to be able to read those, then being able to know, like, okay, well, which, which bus do I actually want to get on? And which bus do I want to, like, let pass by? And at the moment, like, the things that arise in your mind and heart um, are... Just that, like it's not necessary to judge yourself for them, it's just necessary to see them. So you don't have control over the current arising uh, as it manifests from past, uh, to the past cultivation or non-cultivation. Like here it just is. But once it's here, uh, if you can do your best to be present, to be mindful, to know basically like which bus that is, then uh, that's all that you're being asked to do. You know which bus that is and then based on that, is this a bus I want to get on or not? So it sounds easy enough. Right? It sounds very simple when put like that. And you know, you could make a little four matrix thing and put it up on your fridge and you know, have that, right? But how do you do that? And particularly the one that I think people find um, difficult to consider is like, how do I get rid of those um, thoughts that are very thoughts intentions that are um, uh, unskillful, but they're very pernicious, or you know, like. It's very difficult to figure out, like, how, how do I deal with this? Uh, like, there's jealousy, and, like, I don't want to have jealousy, but here it is, and, like, what am I supposed to do with that now? So there actually is a, a very nice um, teaching about this, which is in the Majjhima Nikaya, which is called The Removal of Distracting Thoughts, number 20 here. So I want to go through a little bit of this with you. So some of this is, um, this is given, a, a talk given to the um, monks and nuns, uh, and he says, uh, the Buddha says, so bhikkhus, so it's like, you can consider this like practitioners, so including all this stuff. Uh, when a bhikkhu is pursuing the higher mind, from time to time you should give attention to five signs. So when you're giving attention to some sign, but then there arises in you some unwholesome thoughts connected with greed, with hatred, with delusion, so then here's some possible uh, solutions for you. So when these things are arisen. <coughs> so the first one is you can actually shift your attention to some other sign connected with what's wholesome. So basically, if you know it's like you're getting obsessed with something that's negative or there's like greed, hatred, delusion arising, like actually shift your attention to something that's wholesome. Or even actually to something that's neutral. Like neutral is also good. You know, neutral is also good. So that could include even a neutral part of your body, or it could be shifting your mind to actually a wholesome thought, um, like even to metta or to compassion. So you could try that. Like you actually can notice, like, okay, this is not the gear I want to be in. Let's see if I can actually shift to another uh, different wholesome gear. So then the metaphor with this one is, uh, just as a skilled carpenter or an apprentice might knock out, remove, and extract a coarse peg by means of a, means of a fine one, so too, when a bhikkhu gives attention to a sign that is wholesome, then basically it's like you're knocking out the unwholesome peg. Mind becomes steadied, quieted, brought to singleness, concentrated, etc. But if that doesn't work, there's more. <laughs> Uh, so if you're giving attention and this unwholesome thought arises again, then uh, what can you do with that? So when you can examine the danger in these thoughts, so examine the danger in these thoughts, and <coughs> there's something that at the time of having an unwholesome thought, it requires a little bit of mindfulness. Right? Uh, so examining these thoughts, these thoughts are unwholesome, they are reprehensible, they result in suffering. So actually you have to you know, develop a little bit of mindfulness to even get that sense, but you know, say for example, like, you're mad at someone who's driving by you and you want to kick their car, right? <laughs> <laughs> then, you, know, you might think, like, oh, okay, 
you know, just, uh, you know, in the moment, like, this guy was doing this, he didn't really think that looked so bad, but it really looked ridiculous. He was like, look at five-year-old, like, what are you doing? Um, and it was all their suffering for self and others, right? So then here's the, uh, the nice metaphor for this one. I like this one. This is just as a, a man or a woman, young, youthful, and fond of ornaments, would be horrified, humiliated, and disgusted if the carcass of a snake or a dog or a human being were hung around their neck. <laughs> so too, when a victim examines the danger in those thoughts, their mind becomes steady, internally quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Uh, so basically, you know, you have to have some sense of your know, wits about you to understand, like, oh, this is like really ignorant, basically. <laughs> in the same way, like if you actually had a carcass of a uh, here's saying a snake or a dog or um, maybe here we think we could think more like you see a roadkill like dead squirrel like a roadkill necklace around your neck because it's not bad it's just this, you know of like these these unskillful thoughts being there in your mind and then that you're trying to you're manifesting them I mean it's really it's, it's kind of as if that you know and uh, you know I mean it's, it's about to keep using the example of the sky as if I've never had an unskillful thought but it really you know because it happens like an hour ago, it's very fresh to me. It really was like that. It's like, wow, look at this. Like, it's really like that. Uh, you know, it's like, is this the film that you want to play at your funeral? Like, no. This is the way you want people to remember you. Like, really, it's not. Um, it's not your best moment. Right? Um, so it's just like that. It's like, oh, you want people to take a picture of you when you have like this carcass necklace on? You know, are people going to want to sit next to you, right? Um, like you will smell bad, <laughs> look bad, and it will be disgusting, and you know. But it's all that, and you know, the, the mind is much more subtle, so people don't always sense that, but it's like, it's that bad. So, okay. So pay attention to the danger in that, the repulsiveness, basically, of it. So here's another one. If that doesn't work, there's more. So if you're examining the danger in these thoughts, they're still arises in you, these unwholesome thoughts. Connected with, with greed, with hatred, with um, delusion. You could try to forget those thoughts and don't give attention to them. So try to let go of them and uh, just not attend to them. So he says, with the abandoning of them, your mind becomes steady and generally quiet and thoughts singleness concentrated. This is a person with good eyes who did not want to see forms that had come within range of sight. We either shut their eyes or look away. So too, can a bhikkhu try to forget those thoughts and not give attention to them? So here's one um, example of that, just with sort of eyesight. You can kind of shift your, some of you can kind of shift your vision, um, shift your focus of consciousness a little bit. So, um, metaphor for that would be like, um, you know, you see me holding this striker, right? And you could see the striker, like you could just see this, like they're like, oh, look at this striker thing. Like you could look at that and you could see that. Or you can actually shift your attention so you kind of see like the whole tableau here. There's like the light and the lamp and the altar and this painting and stuff. So this is just in there, but it's not what you're focusing on, right? And so then it kind of dissolves into the bigger picture in some ways. So it's not the focus. And usually it's like kind of a strong energetic thing. Like it would be harder to do if this was like a strobe light, right? It would be harder to do that, but it still is possible. So how do, how do you do that? So it's kind of similar to how you did that with your eyes. So probably in order to do that, like you shift your focus, you actually have to relax. Right? You have to kind of relax your eyes. If you relax your gaze, like become more spacious, uh, you know, with sort of the ocular muscles. So in that way, too, similarly, you could try to do that with your um, awareness, with your consciousness, actually try to relax and open up. Right? All right, so try to forget them, not give attention to them. That's number three. Uh, but that doesn't work. There's still more possessions. Uh, if we're, while you're trying to forget those and not give attention to them, they still arise in you. These unwholesome thoughts connected with greed, with hatred, delusion. Now here it becomes a little bit more, it gets more and more subtle actually. So, uh, but I say this to be only to also know like this is totally possible. Like all the key things that the Buddha is giving is like possible for human beings to do with it. So if you give attention to stilling the thought formation of these thoughts, so you can actually still the thought formation. So that's on a, on a much more subtle level, right? um, back to where, where the origin of this is. 
When you give attention to stealing the thought formation of the thought, then any of these unwholesome thoughts will be abandoned and subsided. And then the mind will become steady, quieted, processing, and less concentrated. There is a metaphor for this. Uh, this is a person who's walking fast might consider, why am I walking fast? What if I walk slowly? And then we'll start to walk slowly. And then they might consider, why am I walking slowly? What if I stand? And then they'll stand. And then they might say, why am I standing? What if I sit? And they might consider, well, why am I sitting? What if I lie down? And then they lie down. So by doing so, they substitute for each grosser posture one that's more subtle. So too, a bhikkhu can give attention to stilling the thought formation of these thoughts, and the mind becomes steady, internally quieted, processing, less and concentration. So this one is more subtle and does require like, being able to notice the energy of the mind. So, for example, um, when the mind is enraged with hatred, like it's, a, it's an unquiet mind. So, in some ways, you could say this is like this metaphor of like walking fast, that like the mind is in this like, you know. And so, that you can sort of notice that and be like, oh, that's, that actually feels like what? Why am I doing? Kind of the same as like, oh, why am I running? Why am I walk? Huh. You know, it's like, oh, this is very like unrelaxing. There's so much energy going on. So it's actually possible to do this, but this requires like more uh, awareness of being able to notice the energy of different mind states. But if this doesn't work, now this last one is actually not uh, not so subtle, uh, and um, uh, it's like the most uh, sort of violent metaphor. You might be surprised to hear this. So he says, okay, so if you tried all those other five things, and there's still arising in you some unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hatred, and delusion, then with your teeth clenched and your tongue pressed against the roof of your mouth, you should beat them down, constrain, and crush mind with mind. <laughs> this is a strong man, a seated weaker man, by the head or shoulders, and constrain him down, so too, so the bhikkhu can beat down, constrain, and crush mind with mind. His mind becomes steady, internally quieted, brought to singleness and so it's like doing a, like a wrestling move on your mind. <laughs> and so now this is the, the wrestling move uh, is a wrestling move that has to be done delicately. So this is kind of like the um, uh, specific sort of Aikido-like move. Right? So now, one of the keys in this move is that uh, it doesn't help to actually hate the thoughts or to hate yourself in that moment. Right? So that's not the instruction. It's not to like so this is self-hatred in order to come down on this right? So it's more like if, uh, if you see like some, um, someone is about to do something that's very harmful, and then it's like, oh, the only thing to do is like, to tackle them to stop them from doing it, right? Um, or say if you see someone who's like drunk or something, and they're about to do something, you know, like, or even if you see like a little kid who's got to go in the street, right? And you want to stop them. But you don't have to hate them, but you, you know, it requires like actually diving and tackling them in order to stop them. So then you do that. Like it actually takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, but it doesn't have to be accompanied with uh, uh, aversion or hatred for that person. It's just like understanding, like, oh, okay, the situation is like this. Right? This, is what, this is what needs to happen. So this takes some uh, willpower and determination, which actually is a, a skillful quality of mind. So determination, uh, strength, courage, is actually a positive quality of mind. Now what you apply it to, right, that will determine sort of like is it actually wholesome action or wholesome action. But in this case you're actually applying it to uh, cultivating your mind, understanding like, oh, this is not going nowhere. Like this actually obsession that I'm in is actually not helpful. It only works sometimes, I should say. Right? So, you know, you kind of try it and if it doesn't work then go back to, you know, numbers one through five and <laughs> try again and tell me. Um, but sometimes it even works just very quickly and quietly, you can see, with your mind. So say you're sitting here, even, even in meditation, you have some recurring thought come up, like this, this before you. And then you try to work with it in different ways. You try to be present with it, like, okay, I know this is like some fantasy that's useless to spend my time in. Uh, you use all your skillful means to try to work with it, try to pay attention to how your like, the mind is attaching to it. But sometimes you can actually do this move where you just go, like, drop it. Like you actually can just go like enough with your mind, like in this way, uh, and sometimes it actually drops it. 
Sometimes it does, <laughs> but sometimes it does. So in order to do this, it requires like a certain uh, energy and determination uh, and focus. But also, it doesn't. Uh, it's not accompanied by like irritation. So the version we breathe more already. So the metaphor I use for this, instead of maybe the you know wrestling metaphor, is like you know sometimes if a dog has a shoe or something like that, and um, you know trying to run with the shoe, you would be like drop it. So you have to say to the dog very firmly, right? Like the dog is, is ready to go with the shoe. So you have to be like, this is dogs, like strong, decisive, kind of alpha, right? Like I'm the human. This is my shoe. <laughs> you have to be like, you have to be pretty like clear about it. You can't be like, please drop the shoe, drop the shoe. Yeah. No, you have to be like, drop it, right? Uh, and then sometimes the dog drops the shoe, and sometimes it doesn't. Right? Sometimes it's still not. But sometimes it does like, drop the shoe. But in order for it to work, you have to be able to be like, drop it. Um, so anyway, that's the, the sixth method of working with your own mind with, with these kinds of thoughts. If you actually can sometimes just be like, enough, you know. The enough is often more convincing if you've actually seen that pattern like over and over. So you actually know with wisdom, you know, this is going nowhere. Like, this is really going nowhere. This is really not the train I want to be on. Like, you know, just like, enough. So I, I welcome you to try try that one with your mind too. But notice the the caveat is to notice if you're trying to do that with some like, oh I hate this, like I'm so sick of it, and I hate myself with this one. So that's not the time to do that. Then you're like caught in aversion with it, uh, and it will likely not work. And basically you'll just be like flagellating yourself, like oh, I hate myself for having these thoughts, and I hate you. So part of the working with this too, uh, if you can tell us what we're seeing, is to, to see the thoughts as not yourself too. But to be able to see these unwholesome thoughts for just what they are. Uh, and including like, this is not me, mine, myself. Uh, it does not even belong to me. Uh, I do not own it. It does not own me. It's like taking the meanness out of it in some way. And here's where in the past it's supposed to be like, well, you say that, but if I already knew that, then I wouldn't have to have this thought anyway, right? <laughs> it's the beginning and the end, right? Um, but that's kind of the thing with this whole Eightfold Path. It's like, okay, you begin with right view, and maybe you have some kind of angle on it, but you don't totally get it. And then as you, you know, continue on path, then it comes into basically, the view comes into sharper and sharper focus. So similarly, like, you have to have some, you have to have some inkling that, like, there's some way to work with this thought right, to be able to engage in these different ways. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, that our, our own intention, our own relationship will probably sort of rise and fall. So sometimes it's like waiting for the right moment. <laughs> kind of like waiting for the tide to be in the right place to like, you know, get in the water or something like that. It's like, all right, go. So, some tools around this. Um, and these are particularly around the unwholesome ones. Now, if all of this seems like way too like esoteric for you, then don't stress about it. Right? There's just uh, interesting things to to uh, hear about how you can actually learn to work with your mind in this way. And all of this does take a certain amount of like awareness, concentration. Right? Um, but all of us can develop that too, I should say. So in the meantime, around this wise effort, other things you can do is just consider like, well, what are the conditions for the arising of wholesome states for me? And what are the conditions for the arising of unwholesome states? So start to get a sense in your life, like what are my sort of top ten mind states that come up, intentions, you know? Uh, like, seem like, or even top five, or some sort of top five. Like, do I have a lot of rage? Is there a lot of uh, kindness? Is there a lot of uh, fear? Is there a lot of irritation? Is there a lot of generosity, and it's probably all of them, but you can sort of start to get a sense of like, okay, what are the kind of top ones that seem to recur a lot? Right? And then you sort of start to pay attention for these, like, okay, which of these are sort of skillful, wholesome, I'd like to have more of these, and which of these are kind of in the unskillful, unwholesome track, right? And with these of them, start to pay attention to like, well, what's the, what, what seems to be the conditions for the arising of this? So say irritation is something that comes up for you a lot. Like, well, what's, what's going on that I get irritated? Or when am I more irritated than other times? And it could be something as simple as like, oh, I'm more irritable when I don't sleep enough. Right? Like, that's not some uh, like super esoteric spiritual thing, right? 
but it's like, oh, I noticed that. It's like, okay, when I don't sleep enough and I interact with other humans, I'm like a growly bear, you know. <laughs> but when I don't eat enough. <laughs> so these are the things to notice. And then it's like, okay, let me like try to get into these conditions. Like, oh, it's good for me to actually eat and sleep enough. These are good reasons to eat and sleep enough before I engage with humanity so I can be less irritable. But what is it that actually causes more compassion? Like what actually helps me to be able to connect when people are suffering? So the times when someone has come to me and um, they're having a hard day or uh, suffering a lot, like when, when am I actually able to listen to them well? And when have I been like, I don't have time for you, I'm not really listening. So is it like when I'm more relaxed? Is it like certain kinds of people I'm going to listen to more? Is it like in certain settings? Is it certain kinds of the day? Uh, is it like, uh, depend how much uh, I listen to the radio, you know, like, what's the, what are all the conditions of it? Like, both on the very gross level of just, like, being sleeping, input, you know, stuff like that, uh, and then others, right? What about, uh, like, being catty to other people? Right? So when am I more like that? Like, oh, is it actually after I come around other people more like that? Does that sort of, like, making more like that? Uh, is it after I watch, like, TV shows where people are like that, you know. It's like, what is it that's going on? So just getting interested in and paying attention to all of those conditions and then um, working with that in your own, like, it's like the lab of your own mind, the lab of your own life. So, uh, those are the four wise efforts. Um, any of that is stuck and ask if people have any questions about what I've said there. So, yeah. When can you be aware of the and When can you be aware of the Aversion and resistance. I mean, all the things that you shared yeah. was to uh, reevaluate, um, slow down, and so forth. I understand that, but when does aversion take hold, or when can you see that aversion take hold, or, or define it? When can you see it? Yeah. Um, do you mean like, um, uh, like at what point in a pattern, or do you mean like, is it possible to, or can you say a little bit more about that? Um, so your suggestion of uh, understanding the condition and, and um, um, just say stop. So when is the aversion and when is that? Uh, okay. Right, right. So that, that move, the like stop move, mm-hmm. um, is that that's the uh, delicate one to only do when there's not aversion present, right? So the question is like, how do you how do you know when there's aversion present? Basically, is, is what you're asking about, right? Um, so that's part of the like um, the uh, development of the mindfulness is actually the you know learning to be present and to, this is kind of like the reading the bus signs kind of thing. So for the like the sitting practice is like super helpful for this. For being able to feel like, oh, okay, what is this in my body right now? So for example, if you're sitting here and say, you know, there's some like loud noise that happens here in our sangha. A helpful loud noise to help us cultivate our wisdom and freedom and all that, right? So if you happen to be someone who has an aversive reaction, for example, to this loud noise, right? It's like it's, it's not, it always sounds to me like it's it inside of a pencil shop in there. But you know, like whatever it is, like then, okay, it's a great opportunity to pay attention to aversion. Like, if aversion arises for you. And like, know that in your body. Like, oh, label it actually. Okay, this is aversion. Feel it in your body. Feel how it feels like in your mind. Right? Like, feel how the body tenses or whatever happens with it. And, you know, the sitting practice is like, it's kind of like lab, like really like under the control conditions of like, I'm sitting here trying to do nothing else but read what is actually going on in my mind-body system. It's like, let me see if I can, can stuff out some of it. It's like, oh, okay, this is a version. And then just feeling that. And as you feel that more and more, then actually you start to be able to notice that even when in motion in your life or when talking or like, you know, other things like that. So the body is a really good place to notice that. Like the body is a good, good tool for feeling those things. Also, as we get more and more connected to our heart, if you will, right? To feeling like, well, what does it feel like when the heart is spacious and open? And what does it feel like when it's like contracted and uh, in a state of aversion? Like, what does that state feel like? Right? Uh, so, just learning to read those more and more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. I'm from my name is Laura. And so, 
I often, when I'm on my bicycle, I get in a situation like you were with. I'm really curious. How did you, or did you maintain? You have this guy that's basically in your face being a, being a whack job, right? I have a really hard time when I'm on my bicycle and I feel in danger. And I lose my ability to, I mean, today I wanted to get, park my bike in front of the foolish car and just, I thought I could have just gotten on a car and stood there. I've done that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, there's just nothing about, you know, I don't care. You know, I don't care that I won't kill you. I don't, how did you stay calm? What did you do? How did you handle it? So in this particular story, I did actually stay calm, which is why I felt like I could get out of the car and like engage with this guy, you know. Uh, so like uh, so, according to the, the um, you know cultivation of mind and action and karma results and everything like that. So like the time that you actually want to kill the person is not a good time to get out of the car. <laughs> that would be a good time to notice the arising of the unwholesome state <laughs> that might lead to unwholesome action. <laughs> Drive on. <laughs> Drive on, waving his body, drive on, right? And that's actually protecting yourself and the other, right? Um, from, you know, interactions that likely will not go well, right? Uh, and you do the best that you can, right? You do the best that you can. So, uh, you know, in this case, like, I actually was feeling, like, pretty equanimous about it, but I also felt like, oh, you know, it's just like, like, it, it, there's part of me that was like, oh, it just has to be called on. But I wasn't, like, I wasn't, uh, I read about it or something, but I just, but I did feel like, and so this is actually, I think, like, the courage determination. And I just, for myself, I know that there would have been a time when I would have been more hesitant to do that. Because, like, I get out of my car, I'm not a very big person, you know, I'm not like, um, like, it's one thing if you're six foot five and you want to do that, but if you're five foot three and you do that, it's like, you know. But actually, this is a confidence I have from the cultivation of the mind, is that, like, uh, you know, someone else might see me and be like, oh, I can intimidate you, but I know I'm unintimidable, you know. And that's powerful, like that's super powerful. So even though someone's like, oh, you're five foot three, I can push you around. Like the quality of mind is strong and, uh, you know, I think usually eventually it has some effect in some way. So, uh, but that, that gives me confidence to feel like, oh yeah, I can engage with this person and like, they're not going to intimidate me. And it often throws people off because it's like, oh, you should be. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not, and, you know. Uh, but also, you know, this point of like, I'm, I'm not attacking them. Also, people are used, are used to this dynamic and there's someone else who's going to attack them. It's like, I'm going to keep your car and then you get out and take my car. Like, that's how it's supposed to go. So it's like, you know, like the, the script is unclear what the script is, you know, when you're not doing that. Like, what, you know. Uh, but it's good. I mean, also, I think I, I do it in times when it seems interesting and fun, too. Or uh, interesting, fun, or helpful. Like, in this case, I was like, you know, people shouldn't, someone, this guy is, Fancy car, I shouldn't get any of like thinking you can act like this. It's not good unless you call them on this. Today that's me. Like, hey, what are you doing? Right? So that I could do that without actually needing to feel like violent towards them or something. And, um, and probably if I didn't have to come here, we would have played it out like longer. So, you know, we only had a little bit of lesson. <laughs> so, anyway, that's why that, like the times that you feel like I really going to kill someone, I'm going to break something, I take, you know, like damage property or something. So that's why it's like, okay, here's the. This is, this is actually the arising of this unskillful state. And it's not good for you, too. Like, actually feel that in your body. Like, feel what it's like to have this sense of, like, uh, I want to kill someone, you know? Like, don't be afraid to feel it. But also, it's good to be afraid of acting on it, you know? Like, people do things that they regret, like, all the time, you know, from these states. So, it's like, use that as a moment to learn about it, you know? Like, what it feels like. Because you're really possessed in that moment, right? Like, you're possessed by this, this state. And like you could do anything, but you later might feel like oh, I shouldn't have done that, or you know, consequences. So it's, it's not good for your own sort of cultivation of heart and mind to like string that out. So that's the when the state has arisen, like not cultivating alone. So like you know, getting out of the car and like if I took my um, you know, that club thing that like you know, <laughs> I was getting something out of the car and like beating on his car would have been like cultivating unwholesome things, <laughs> right? So it's like unrecommended action. <laughs> um, but to actually be able to get out and try to communicate with someone is not necessarily bad. Like sometimes that can be good. So I want to know uh, if I'm confused or not because I know the teaching you're talking about it's not to keep cultivating unhealthy states. Um, 
in a whole variety of ways. Yeah. But there's also a teaching, and maybe it's just paradoxical, which is nothing new in what yeah. we practice, that um, states that are based on fear and anxiety and deep un- un- unwholesome emotions, often in the Buddhist tradition, it's helpful to face them, or they will just keep coming up and up again. Uh-huh. And I have some difficult people, I have a list of them, and it's like a movie, and something will trigger me and I'll think about that person, uh, and whatever is going on with them, even if it's not really directly related to something that's going on. I can't lose them by just saying, oh, I'm not going to think about them, because I will sooner or later somehow yeah. they're just in there and I haven't quite figured out how to um, cut off those movies so to speak uh-huh. so I, I know there are situations mm-hmm. where I but I'm not quite sure what they are where the most skillful thing I could do is face them um, and reflect and investigate and try and go more deeply in terms of what my motivations are. Yeah. Uh, and that that's helpful. Right. As opposed to kinds of things you've been talking about, which are also helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the question is around like the arising of unwholesome, unskillful states and then there's one approach that's like to examine it and investigate it and stuff like that, right? And Not everything, but kind of, you know. Yeah. Be discerning. Yeah, be discerning, but, but basically you're like understanding and connecting with. So not actually cutting it off <laughs> right away, basically, right? So not, not actually taking the more, uh, you know, this sounds like a more extreme one. It's just like when you see it, cut it off, that's it, right? Um, so it kind of depends, it's true. So even particularly like if we're practicing the first instruction from the mindfulness, and like this, this sutta is not taught that much in general meditation groups, I should say. Because usually the first instruction of mindfulness is just like, be present with everything, right? Like, know everything, be present with everything. Uh, and I think that is a very good instruction. And there also is an instruction along the way, like the path is not just like, let everything steamroll you all the time, right? It's like, as you start to become mindful, as you discern, like start to pay attention to like, what things lead towards freedom and what things lead towards suffering. So along that way, sometimes you do have to do this like way of saying, of like examining more, basically sort of feeling the burn of the hatred, of the religious or whatever, as it comes up. So investigating it like thoroughly, actually. So becoming very familiar with it. So that's kind of like this sort of like, you know, the examining the, you know, it has the carcass around your neck kind of thing. <laughs> like, like smell it deeply, <laughs> know it. Like what does it look like? What does it feel like? Like really, you know? Um, so I would say that that approach is kind of in that category, but it, it is still with the um, intention of knowing the unwholesome as unwholesome, so to say. So it's not just like, uh, it's, you know, everything is the same and like, uh, it would be equally good to be like jealous all the time as to be loving all the time or something like that. But, uh, so you are where you are. I mean, it's hard to talk about this a little bit because it's not just like, say, you should not be like this, or like you should not pay attention to this. It's just we know everything that's coming up, but also this, there's this piece of the path that I think is very key, which is paying attention to what leads towards happiness and what leads away from happiness. So there is this, this distinction between skillful, unskillful, wholesome, unwholesome, as it's, it's described as like the way you need to liberation or not. So you can investigate states and it's good to notice them like from that angle. Now the Vipassana way of investigating things is often just to see everything is impermanent too. Right? So noticing all body, body sensations, all mind states, everything as arising and passing away as an impermanent. And that's true also. Right? So that's a helpful way to see things too. But as it applies to particularly uh, how we are engaging in our life, like what mind states we choose to act and speak from, I think this other instruction is also like, very helpful to know. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so like, say this stuff, you know, like, there's a list of people you don't like, and like, it comes up, and then you like, so basically it's like, oh, then you feel like hatred or anger about them coming up. So then it's like, oh, should I just like, push that away and pretend they're not there, should I investigate it? So it kind of depends, right? It kind of depends. So sometimes it is good to actually 
feel those feelings, that's the rage, and know what that's like, and about to get that, and all that stuff. And sometimes they've been sitting here for like hours doing that, you know, it's like, enough. <laughs> I mean, uh, so you can develop actually the, the you know, mindfulness, the concentration to actually be able to do that, right? to be able to have some more kind of choice there. And the truth is, like, we are enslaved by whatever arises in our mind. Like, we are enslaved by it, we are, like, obsessed by it, and have no choice until we develop some of these tools. So even notice that freedom, not freedom, yeah. like that part of freedom, not freedom. So if you can actually investigate it, like get interested in it, then there's some freedom there, because you're like, okay, let me see like, what's going on here. Right? And if not, just notice what that feels like to be like whirling along in that. Right? So it's all good, basically. <laughs> either way, it's good to do. Learn something from either way, it's like, uh, yeah. When Frank was here, he, uh, I, I felt like he discussed the third way. Yeah. And that was about loving awareness. And that was whatever arises, whether other people are angry. Yeah. Just having a perspective uh, of loving awareness. Yeah. And loving awareness is actually the, the presence uh, of mindfulness, uh, which we'll cover like some of But like loving awareness is another way of saying mindfulness, right? Uh, of knowing, like of discerning. But mindfulness actually, you know, in this path, is not just like loving awareness lets everything go by. Right? The same way as loving awareness, like doesn't let, like say you have loving awareness as a parent, it doesn't mean you let the kid get away with everything. Right? Like you could be, have loving awareness with a kid and also be like, uh, you know, don't eat bubble gum for breakfast and don't stab your, your sister with a fork. And, you know, <laughs> and you don't have to hate the kid, like you're still loving and you're aware that trying to stab your fork and like you need to stop them, right? Or, that it's not good for them to be followed down for a breakfast, right? So you can have loving awareness and also like some discernment in this way, right? Uh, but it's a good question. So we'll, we'll talk more about it later on too. So thank you for that. So we come to the end of our time now. So I'll just leave you with that to play with. So I'm happy for um, any uh, more questions or you know, uh, disputes about it and stuff like but just basically like, try and work with it in your own life is a way to figure it out and see like well what's what's helpful about what was shared or what's unhelpful or you know does it make sense does it not make sense uh, does what that seems to know what talking about or not does it relate to my life or not you know just basically like check it out in your own experience is like the, the only way to, to try it out take it first and so let's just sit together for a moment Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.